Hey mamas, what new self-care routines are you willing to try in 2022? This year, take your routine to the next level with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 and brand new Ultra Premium Body Wash. Their new Ultra Premium Body Wash is made with the best ingredients to make you not mind those times when you might have to use his body wash instead of yours. I love using Marcus's. It's cologne-infused, with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. It's my favorite. Upgrade both yours and his grooming routine this year and use the best tools for the job. Be sure to travel to manscaped.com for your exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with code Mimosas with Moms. Cheers to self-care in 2022, and let's get started with today's episode. Hey mamas, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. Today I'm welcoming on Alexis Honey. Alexis is the host and creator of The Gentle Co-Sleeper. She is a Navy veteran and a mommy of two. In today's episode, we talk all things co-sleeping. We talk about Alexis's fact over fear approach to the risks over reward of proximity sleeping with your tinies and littles as well as resources and tips to do it as safely as possible. She talks about co-sleeping for both bottle and formula fed babies as well as breastfed babies. If you are interested in co-sleeping or you are a co-sleeping mama, this episode is for you. It is so good. Alexis has such great insight, and I'm so excited to share her with you. You can find her over on Instagram at The Gentle Co-Sleeper, and you can listen to her podcast, The Gentle Co-Sleeper, wherever you're listening to this podcast. She also has a Facebook group that I'll link in the description of this podcast, and she's currently working on an ebook um, that is going to be free. It's coming this spring. So be sure that you're following along over on my Instagram, over on her Instagram, because I will be linking it as well uh, when she releases it. So be sure that you're following along. And if you enjoy today's episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started. Cheers. Alexis, welcome to the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I am so excited that you are here joining me today because I think co-sleeping is something that so many of us want to hear more about um, and learn about. So, but first, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, I am one. I am just so excited to be on your podcast. I've listened to so many episodes on my walks and for our just brief interaction and our quick booking of this recording, I have not slept in like three days. So so excited for this episode. Um, but yeah, so I'm Alexis Honey. I'm a Navy vet and uh, a self-proclaimed gentle and attached mommy to two boys named Ben and Charlie. I'm married to the finest sailor in the Navy named Cody. <laughs> he got me. I believe you. (laughs) And I'm going to school to be a dental hygienist. I'm also the creator and host of The Gentle Co-Sleeper. I was originally the co-host of 
uh, Coffee and Co-Sleeping, where I spent three years of my life devoting every episode to getting all the information and knowledge from the experts and the professionals in the attachment-based parenting realm, whether that be body feeding or breast or breastfeeding and co-sleeping, everything you can possibly imagine of the biological norm. Me and my partner were just in pursuit of that. And I guess we were just two mommies looking for validation that we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. And in the process of that, we just kind of became these you know, advocating influencers, educating the masses on different resources that we could use to be better. And when we actually got hacked at 30K and we were just kind of at a crossroads of where we wanted to be. And during this whole two years, a lot of things have changed for me. And I knew that I wanted to start a new platform specifically on my own motherhood narrative and perspective. So that's where the gentle co-sleeper came. And I am just out here, you know, trying to make my commitment is like fact over fear and um, just myth busting and fact checking societal norms. Yeah. So let's like dive into co-sleeping. What is it? Why are people so scared (laughs) of it? You know, and how can we kind of unpack that a little bit? Because I feel like that, it, I love that, like you said that, the fact mm-hmm. over fear, because I think that so much of like attachment parenting is like the opposite is like mm-hmm. so fear-based, right? I'm like, we could go into so many different, you know. Analogies. Like top exactly. categories off, and, of, <laughs> off of that. And but, it, right. it's effective. This fear is so yeah. effective that people are actually afraid to even talk about co-sleeping. And so I guess the question is, what is co-sleeping? And the co-sleeping is like the title of the book. And everything underneath it is is really what the bread and butter is. You can co-sleep without bed sharing. You can, it's it's just, oh my God. Um, it's just proximity sleeping. It's just sleeping in the same area as your baby just to make parenting and responding to their needs easier. It's just the biological norm. More specifically, the real fear-based thing about co-sleeping is bed sharing because you are told from the beginning, say like sleeping with your baby is just unsafe in a very, very dangerous way. Not like unsafe, like, you know, touching something warm or anything, but like actually dangerous to your baby's life. And I learned very early in my motherhood that sleeping with your baby is almost unavoidable, especially if you're, you're breastfeeding and your baby's cluster feeding or they just won't sleep and you're constantly in and out of the nursery. And then one day I just woke up and my baby was in my arms and I was in the rocking chair and I knew that I had to figure out how to do this safer. And so you can co-sleep without bed sharing. I think that a lot of people think that I don't co-sleep. Well, where's your baby's crib? Oh, it's in the room. Well, you're co-sleeping and you're doing nighttime parenting, which is so important to our babies and so many different studies have been done of proximity sleeping and why it's, it's really great for our babies. Yeah. Cause I think like, aren't the pediatricians of the world, are they now recommending that babies be in your room for longer than what they used? Right. So they are, they're saying, well, initially it was like six months, but now it's prolonged to a year and that's, and that's the baby in the bed, which is 
a huge milestone alone just to have the baby in the room with you because society says to have the baby away and to create independence. But they did extend that time in the in the room because the, the science and the studies behind the benefits of having the baby in close proximity is more than just getting your baby fed. It's it's reducing the risks of SIDS, keeping them in and out of uh, lighter, uh, keeping them in shorter sleep cycles because people are like, I want my baby to sleep through the night. Well, in infancy, they're not supposed to. (laughs) I know. And, you know, I just think like that is where so many parents, I just don't think that like we talk about normal baby sleep enough. You know, I think so many parents just think like, I have to like crack this formula, right? I got to crack the code. How do I get this Mm -hmm. kid to sleep? And I talk so much on my platform. People will ask all the time of when did your baby start sleeping through the night? I don't know, like 14 months, 16 months, you know, and like people are trying to start sleep training at three months old. It's like, you know, you're pulling your hair out and stressing out so much of getting this three-month-old baby to sleep when like there's so much Right, and you ask yourself, why are you trying to get them to sleep that young? It's probably because you're tired, you know? You're not doing it because you think it's what's best for your baby. You're like, holy crap, I'm tired. Like, just sleep. (laughs) And girl, I hear you, right? And I think that's the most simple question as to why there is such a following behind, like, Ferber methods and cried out methods because those methods are set in place for the parents to sleep better, not necessarily your baby, because you have people like Dr. William Sears that has proven that attachment fosters independence. So the more that your baby gets attached to you, whether that be skin to skin or just responding to their needs without forcing them against into independence, it's been shown that it's it's just, it's for you, you you know, and it's okay. And I think that the narrative of sleep training is if you're and if you are bed sharing or you co-sleep or you don't want to, you know, uh, cry it out, you're against it or you shame the moms that do. And it's not what's happening. What's happening is that there's not a lot of resources for us mommies to to do it safely. And the people that are trying to raise awareness of how to do it safely are just advocating for the moms that want to do things differently than society tells them or is normal for them to do. Alexis, I also want to like kind of circle back to something that you said that stood out to me that when you kind of, you were talking about your entry into motherhood and going through the night times with your son and you found yourself in the rocking chair asleep. And, you know, I just kind of like stumbled into mm-hmm. co-sleeping. Right. And I think, so that's like where I identify. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that a lot of other mamas were listening along with that kind of nodding along, like, yes, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so tired and I'm up in the middle of the night feeding this baby. And of course, like I'm, I'm dozing off. Right. I'm tired. So how do I find a safer way to do this? Um, Because, you know, I would I would have my baby in the room with me and I can probably say I did this with all of them um, where I had them in the room with me. I'd be up in the middle of the night, but then I just kind of like lay down in bed and I'm laying Mm -hmm. feeding them and then I fall asleep. 
And then you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing something wrong. And that fear (laughs) kind of kicks in, right? This is unsafe. This is bad. This baby shouldn't be in my bed. And let's kind of unpack that a little bit, that fact. Okay, so let me tell you something. Okay, there is nothing more natural in this planet than a baby falling asleep at the breast of a mother, period. Because it what's so really exciting about the science behind, um, like it's called dream feeding, which is kind of like sleeping, like, but knowing it's happening, you're both lucidly sleeping, but you're awake. That dream feed that you breast sleeping is literally the most biological thing a mother can do with a baby. Also, what happens physiologically, oxytocin and the interaction between you and the baby keeps you and the baby in in lighter sleep cycles. Breastfeeding moms actually have been proven to sleep lighter than other mothers because of the interactions and the importance of continuing to wake up and to feed and to respond to our children. There's also a really exciting study about when you're in the bed with a baby and you're worried about the covers, for example, well, there is a study after years of looking at moms that sleep with their babies, breastfeeding diets usually like mostly keep their, their blankets at waist length instead of like shoulder length with formula fed babies. Mommies usually keep the baby closer to their face, not the breast. But I just did an episode saying that you can safely bed share with your formula-fed baby if you follow the different criterias of that. So unpacking the fact that you get afraid with just having your baby next to you, I think when you start just understanding that you once you lay in the bed and you're confident that it's safe, that perspective change really makes a huge difference. Yeah. I feel like it definitely like progressed as the more kids (laughs) I went on with, right? And like by baby number four, you're like, get on in here. Um, (laughs) You're like, I know how to survive now and it's with you right here. Um, you know, you just like start figuring out that that sleep is mm-hmm. you need it. It's so precious. So like, however you're gonna get it, do mm-hmm. it right. And now, <laughs> now he's two, and I look at my husband all the time. I'm like, I wish he would sleep what? in my bed. Like, I wish he, I could just like pull him in. He's so crazy. He would never go to sleep if I let him sleep right. in my bed now. But um, yeah, he's funny. But so let's kind of talk about like those criteria on you were talking about to make it safe for breastfeeding moms and for the formula feeding That's moms. That's really great to start up with. The, you would start at the safe sleep seven. When the sleep, the safe sleep seven is kind of just a really great just foundation. And we could literally talk hours on what that looks like. But the shorter conversation is what to avoid and just the different criteria of of that when you're a breastfeeding mom, for example. So what's the what was the best thing that I've ever found out is that the Safe Sleep 7 is for implementing for infants, but by four months, any non-breastfeeding responsible adult can actually bed share with the baby at four months. And this is a study shown in Leleche League's uh, article on their on um, on bed sharing, and it says that any responsible adult, dad, Grandma, as long as you're not intoxicated or smoke cigarettes or whatever, there's no, you know, fluffy pillows or blankets, you can co-sleep with your baby safely in the bed. 
Now, some of the things that you can't do is if you are a smoker or if you're have you're on medication or uh, there is big blankets or pillows in there, you can't have it. And I always urge the mothers that are formula feeding is you put that babe, that bed right on the floor. Floor beds are just like across the the board, like bed sharing, you know, etiquette is you just put the bed on the floor, <laughs> get rid of the furniture and just put the mattress on the floor. Um, but yeah. uh, all that fancy stuff goes out the window once you become a mother. Right. Anyway, huh? Exactly. You just, <laughs> just ditch it all. But what I will say is you're allowed to have a blanket. And especially if you're a breastfeeding mom, you're allowed your own single pillow. They also say out of fear base, no pillow, no blanket, just dress as you know, temperature to the room, nothing on the bed, nothing around you. That's also fear-based. There's science proven that you can keep a pillow on you. Now, if you're a bottle feeding mommy, you got to ditch the pillow because that is where the most, the most danger comes with bed sharing and formula moms is that that pillow, when you sleep with your baby, you don't have that body response to keep your baby at the breast. So naturally your baby actually elevates towards your face, like you're sleeping next to your spouse. So that pillow has to go. And as well as your hair has to be back. Yeah. But as long as. Yeah. That's interesting, like the difference between the breastfeeding and the formula mm-hmm. feeding moms and kind mm-hmm. of sleeping. And it's it's very different when it comes to like scientific, like how you respond to your baby as far as where it's positioned. But I'm not going to tell any mom that one mom has a better response to their infant than the other when it comes to, it's just different. Like, I know formula moms, like I've been co-sleeping and bed sharing for years and I've done formula and I've always woken up if something was wrong. Well, I'm not going to take that from you. I believe you. You're a mom. And I know that comes from all across. And that was another thing in my platform is that I want to include all everybody in the, in the conversation that you can bed share with your baby with formula. And I'm going to say it. A lot of people won't, but I will. I I know. I love that. Like, do you feel like there's different, you know, are are the breastfeeding moms, I guess, like more likely to co-sleep than formula feeding moms or vice versa? Or like, are there differences? Yeah. So a a breastfeeding mom would actually more likely be a co-sleeping and a co-sleeper in bed share because of just her body functions, period. Like if she doesn't want to wake up with like Pamela Anderson boobs the next morning, she's going to want to wake up and relieve some pressure. So naturally she's going to be more likely to naturally fall asleep next to her baby or more prone to have the baby in proximity because of that relationship, that body relationship she has with her baby. Now, I can't take away from exhaustion. Like formula moms also have to get out of bed, make a a bottle and that. So I think that formula moms, because they're kind of like isolated away from like breastfeeding and the natural response and the biological norm, they are more prone to follow societal norms. Like, you know, your ABCs always on, you know, always alone, always on the back and always in the crib. And I feel like those are so unrealistic for, 
mom to think that your baby can always be alone, always on their back and always in the crib because nine times out of 10 in infancy, your baby is on you, whatever you're feeding. Um, now I will say my little ones didn't sleep if they were yeah. on their back and I had one that had really bad mm-hmm. reflux. And so then I like switched her to what has now like been recalled and like mm-hmm. banned the, uh, what was it? The oh, rock yeah. and play. Remember like years ago, the mm-hmm. rock and play and it like, yeah. And I mean, I'm lucky nothing mm-hmm. bad happened at our house, you know, because not good things were happening right. when babies were sleeping in those things, but she had really bad reflux. So like if I laid her flat in mm-hmm. a crib, she would start, you know, spitting up and right. like choking. So she would not sleep. She could not lay flat like that. And I'm like, I just wish I could like go back to that mom, Abby. She was my mm-hmm. second born. I wish I could like go back to her and just like flip her. Yeah, she'd be better. <laughs> flip her on okay, her belly, mama, you know. You'll be there. Because then it took me, it took me to baby number four to be like, it's okay if your baby sleeps yeah. on their belly, you know. And I know that. Talk to your doctor. This is not of medical course. advice. Of course. We are not medical professionals <laughs> by any yeah. means. Like, But, but what know, I will say is that mothers yeah, have been taking care of their babies for a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. That's good. And then he actually like slept yeah. better, you know. And yeah. Probably, and I yeah. think that we also as moms have to understand that if we take, you know, every what everybody's saying from around us and really just hone in and focus on – your personal experience with your baby, trust your baby is going to lead you in the direction you need to go to. Some babies are more independent. Some people, some babies are just really needing your attention. It's that trust and that let go of control that really allows us as mothers to feel better and safer as their caregivers, because that's really what it boils down to is that most of our concerns are just the fear that we just don't have what it takes to keep them safe. And we're constantly looking and trying to control and to try to, you know, tell this baby what to do or how, but once we really let go of that control, Abby, it's, it's so, it's so liberating. Yeah. I love that. What you just said about letting your child bleed. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that can be applied to so many different pockets of motherhood of letting your child lead. And because like, you know, especially being a mom of four, I have four kids who are so different from one another. And I'm sure you can right. say, the, say the same thing about your boys, right? Like, so as soon as you get one thing, you know, all figured out, then here comes the next baby and you're right. like, what the heck? So really like leaning into what each kid needs. Mm-hmm. It's such a game changer and it's so important. And it kind of goes into that attached mm-hmm. parenting, right? Um, kind of talk to us, I guess, about more of these fears mm-hmm. of co-sleeping. Why is why is co-sleeping such like a taboo? Um, well, it's taboo because you have to think, why did Western society specifically, because all around the world – cultures and societies really encourage mommies to sleep with their babies. They have long. Well, around the world, they, they do a lot better by mommies. I they think. really do. <laughs> Outside of the Well, state. and you ought to think why. <laughs> why did specifically our country want mom away yeah. from the baby? To go, go to, to work, work or just to do more things. 
You know what I mean? They wanted the mom away from the baby. So she was more capable of doing other duties. She, her rest that she needs for her, you know, it's so, it's, it's, you can feel the tear just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. They want her to be away. They want her to be utilized Mm -hmm. in the way that she needs to. She can't have that rest that she needs in order for her to get back to herself, learn who she is because the baby's born day is every mommy's born day. They're completely different the next day and with their bodies and their, their minds, their hormones. um, And the, they wanted the mom away. And that is why, how, what better way to get mom away than to say that she's putting her baby in danger and using unsafe circumstances and I believe manipulating them into a higher dialogue for more people to fall in line with them. Um, All around the world, mommies, I know that being on a platform, I've talked to Aussie moms, um, uh, Canadian moms, moms in Asia, moms in Africa, moms in New Zealand. I've talked to them all over and they all just celebrated in the co-sleeping world. And I just didn't understand why in America specifically, we don't want mommies to sleep with babies and coming up with these guidelines and these studies. But there's this really enticing study that I use like Spitfire for people to tell me that it's so unsafe. Okay, really? Well, the department, uh, the Department of Alaska's Public Health did a 12-year study, Abby, of all different records of babies' accidents in their bed that led to, you know, mortality. And 99% of them had one or more associated risk factor, but 73, 73% of these were smokers and 23 of them on top of that were intoxicated. And taking out the fact that if you're not a smoker, you're not doing drugs or drinking with your baby, 99% of the time you're safe. And they didn't even include the way you fed the baby. So when people are saying your baby's not safe because you body bottle feed them, well, I'm going to take science over your fear because there has been a 12-year study and your one sentence that you said to me in this one minute saying that regardless of how I feed my baby or where you think my baby should sleep, um, they're safe. So (laughs) I'm I'm not going to let your fear get that the best of me. And I know that I have even up until recently lied to my pediatricians where my babies sleep. Yeah. Oh, they sleep in the crib. Yeah. I know. I was like going to say that too, you know, as you're like the the co-sleeping moms are celebrated all around the world and like here it's like still taboo or Mm -hmm. like whatever. And, but I feel like a lot of us are co-sleeping. I just feel like so many of us (laughs) lie about it. And I'm yeah. guilty of this. I am guilty of lying about so many things. Like I just admitted that I let one of my babies sleep mm-hmm. on their tummy. I have never said that yeah. on Instagram before because I'm too fearful on like the big platform that I have over there that yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just like can't handle like backlash. Of course. And they, <laughs> that's a me comes. problem. I'm very it sensitive. Comes. Like, you know, and so like. You know, and I feel like you're probably like that, you know, in your real Mm -hmm. lives too, even if you don't have these big platforms where you have thousands of people that can come for you, right? You know, this is also like going Mm -hmm. on in families. Maybe your mother is like so against this, you know, maybe your 
your doctor. You're lying to your doctor because your doctor doesn't support what you're doing. You know, so I do. I feel like so many moms are probably stumbling in this because of exhaustion. Mm -hmm. Maybe you always knew like, oh, I want to be this attached Mm -hmm. mom and I'm going to be, you know, doing all the things, you know, and so you naturally found yourself there. But I just like, I do, I wish it was more normal and more accepted to talk about, I, you know, and then like you weren't like feared of like being Yeah, and not being ashamed. Like you can, like people get weird. Like they can report you and do weird stuff. Like it is, and that's a mom's worst fear of just trying to do what's best for her baby. And then somebody actually think that she's doing harm to her children, just doing what she thinks is best. And I think that's like, I mean, we before in, you know, my, my last platform, we've seen a lot of really nasty comments of perpetuating unsafety and um, danger to children and that this is a dangerous platform. And I took that and I said, okay, well, I'm going to let you feel, you know, feel whatever trigger that you have. And I'm going to back it up by science because that's what we're here for. I'm not going to speak on anything that hasn't been studied and factual because I know that in my immediate family, I have had a lot of backlash because um, my first son, I was terrified. Like he is my teacher. I say that Benjamin, my first son, like he, oh, he has so much patience for me. He is the best teacher that I've ever had in my entire life because for the first couple, you know, months of his life, I was just in fear all the time, like sleeping, feeding, like, is he eating enough? Oh my gosh, it's six months. He's not eating full meals. Like all different kinds of worries that come with your first and just all your kids. And my family, when I started to like educate myself and start pay attention to my body and my baby and trusting Benjamin and what he's going to tell me and what he needs just by, you know, responding to him, I started getting a lot of passive aggression and, uh, it happens. And can you talk more about that? Because like, I, I'm like, I'm so happy that you're bringing this up and sharing this mm -hmm. part of your story and thank you for being so vulnerable and doing so. Because I feel like this happens a lot in families. And how did you navigate that? How did you hold your boundaries? And, you know, or no, like, no, this is what's right for me, my body, my baby, and not be kind of like sucked into your family's, you know, know what you're doing is wrong. Because I think like, that's also pretty easy to get like, oh, <laughs> and you kind of like backpedal, right? Um, it was like stumbling yeah. in the dark after a long night with girls, <laughs> <Yep>. okay, <laughs> being able yep. to find the yep. confidence to look at the people around you yeah. and say, no, I'm sorry. Thank you. But this is my child. And I hold no space for your critiques when they're not beneficial to me and my confidence as their mom. Because when you go to sleep at night, away from me and away from either your grandson or your cousin or your nephew, I'm still with them. Okay. So it took a lot. It took a lot of loss. I'm going to put that in quotes because 
you feel like you're losing, right? When you stick up and advocate for yourself, especially as a mom, you feel like you're losing these people around you because you're going against what they're telling you. And I lost, I felt like I lost a lot because I refused to perpetuate this generational um, methods and ideas and, you know, trauma and all these different things that people, you know, reflected onto me in my childhood or my husband's childhood and wanted to continue that because that's what they think is normal. Um, We felt like we lost a lot, but the more that we surrounded ourselves in a community of people, which was small, you know, which was just one family, honestly, was my partner that I was with the coffee and co-sleeping, keeping that narrative. My podcast saved my life a lot of the times that validation is needed. And I think that when you hear what other people are saying, which is usually friends, mom groups, um, moms and dads and grandmas and in-laws, the infamous in-laws that, you know, I've learned everyone, like even a lot of people have problems with. Um, but how I navigated through that, like I said, it was like stumbling in the dark. And eventually I found a light and I held it close and I trusted it as I trusted my son that it'll grow brighter as I grew stronger in the what I was doing with my kids. And as I just focused on the the four of us, my family, my nuclear family, and just hovered over this metaphorical flame, it just ended up lighting the entire house. And that's why my, you know, my logo is a house because the house was my safe haven. And the little heart that comes from my little logo is just the knowledge and love that I learned from responding to my kids and sleeping with my kids and ignoring the crappy people that just felt inadequate because that's what it is. They didn't do it with their kids and they see how responsive and loving I am towards mine. And the trust I have for my kids is intimidating because as parents, what can we do? We always wanted to do better. And I believe these people wanted to do better, but they just didn't have the the gumption to do it. And I think that's where a lot of the judgment comes is that they just couldn't do it themselves. And that reflects their guilt onto you and they project and having grace for yourself and kind of understanding their perspective. And that's kind of just assumed, but it helped me that they just couldn't do it themselves. And I'm doing better, I guess. Alexis, this is like better than a therapy session right now mm. for me. That's so great. <laughs> like I I needed like every single thing that you just said. I needed to hear those things. Um, and just like the feelings of like that you're losing. Mm. You know, what like uh, just a powerful part of being a cycle breaker no matter what cycle you're breaking you know normalizing that is so important and powerful Mm -hmm. thank you for like sharing everything that you just shared that was just like (sighs) well and how hard is it to break a cycle you think of just a constant it's hard to break away if you think of it Adam like if you just break away from something, it's not going to be easy. It's going to tear. It's going to hurt. It's going to be unknown. It's a path that you literally open the book and you see it's empty. 
where you can take the book from your mom or your grandma and it would be full of crap. Like it could be full of stuff that you don't agree with. And you're like, well, you know what? This is the book that was passed down to me. I think it's crap. It doesn't make any sense. But I'm scared of an empty book. I don't want to write my own book. How am I? It is exhausting. It is exhausting writing those empty books. My pencil is is lonely. You know. But I do, I just hope that all these mamas that are listening, you know, that you do like find that community, Mm. you know, like you found your partner on your previous Mm. podcast and go to, you know, maybe the mom group or wherever you plug in and you find a, uh, you know, mom account on Instagram Mm. that you follow, you know, wherever you find that validation, it is just like completely life changing. And I just, with having a platform, like I said, we were just two moms, like just, yeah. uh, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And <laughs> when it came to building, Same. we needed, I still, that's why I'm starting my own because I need that validation too. And, um, it could be in all forms, whether it just, if you don't, if a lot of people are doing it alone and, uh, don't have those and having conversations like this, Abby, opening up and you've had like I was thinking I saw almost 200 episodes in your podcast and you having this like the first time where you're like yeah I slept with all four of my babies yeah I haven't talked about this yeah I haven't shared this on my platform but your bravery even just saying that to all these other people that are avid listeners and followers of you could you imagine just like that and Abby does this too like wow I'm I'm validated what? It opens so much more narrative. And I will take the stones and the eggs if I can help just that one mommy because I was just the one Gosh, mommy. So I was just that one mommy scared. Yeah. And if I had somebody like me, like going back to mommy of Benjamin and just giving her a hug yeah. and saying, you're going to be okay. He's going to be okay. Throw an egg. Throw an egg because I helped her. And I helped her Yeah, because I needed yeah. that help that I didn't get. And I'll take your egg and your stone and I will direct you to my link in my bio with all the scientific facts that say that pet sharing is okay. And I'll move about my day. (laughs) Alexis, gosh, like everything that you have said is so good. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was so fun chatting with you. And I am so, I'm just like, I am just completely touched. Your vulnerability your insights, everything that you're bringing to this space. I hope that everybody goes and finds you. Tell my listeners where yes, they can find so you. So you can find me on Instagram at The Gentle Co-Sleeper, where I am there every day posting content, whether it just be little nuggets of affirmations or some fact bombs that I found on the internet the night before. Um, <laughs> or you can find me on my Gentle Co-Sleeper podcast, which is on all major yes. um, platforms, Google Podcasts. Apple, Spotify. I also have a mom group, um, reach almost 1400 like-minded parents, attachment parenting styles, bed sharing, co-sleeping. There's all different kinds in there, but if you just want us a judgment-free space, uh, we have that at the general co-sleeper on Facebook as well. Um, I hope to see more people there as well, but if you ever need me, my DMs are open. I also wanted to put in a plug that 
I'm writing an ebook called The Biological Norm, which norm stands for nurture, overcome, respond, and model. And it's just affirmations and yeah. kind of just the validation that you're doing what's right for your baby. Uh, I'm not selling it because I believe confident parenting should be accessible to all people, not just the people that can afford it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm doing that, that because anything that I can share, I believe that knowledge is power, but knowledge shared is power amplified. So I hope to help and share and change other people's lives as my kids change mine. Alexis, when you're done with your book, please send it over and I will share it with my community because I love that. Thank you for putting in that labor Mm, of love. Um, Alexis, thank you again for joining me. I hope everybody goes and gives you a follow and go listen to Alexis's podcast. And cheers to gentle co-sleeping. Cheers.